0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 13 of the No Look Past Podcast, presented to you by wrspn.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who has to watch Andrea Bargnani play defense multiple nights a week. I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint. It's good.
1: Hey, just like everybody else, and I was genuinely excited to see Chris Paul pretty much dunk it twice.
0: Yeah, I saw that. He was like, he was very proud of himself, when he dunked the ball too. Uh, we want uh, to hope everybody had Yeah, he was. We want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever we're supposed to say now, um, and uh, Happy New Year coming up. I do know that Andy Sung is the owner of a new six-man Vicerola Depot jersey. So props to him. But we are going to get into our show now. Uh, we're going to start every week as we do with the while you were watching TNT segment, and then we're gonna re a couple of playoff teams and get into a little bit of uh, what's going on with the uh, Phoenix Suns there. It looks like they're struggling. They're go out for the season. We'll get into that in a little bit. But as usual, while you were watching TNT, we were watching Moment of Silence for the Grit and Grind Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Andy uh, So we had three games while we were watching them, and then we had a couple of bonus games since we're recording this a little late. We're on Tuesday night right now. Um, they were at the 76ers, at the Wizards, and at the Hornets. And the NLP curse continues. We got a 1-2 and two record for the Grizzlies with their only win against the Sixers. So I guess you can call it like a uh, half a win and two and a half losses. So, Andy, how many Memphis Grizzlies games did you watch?
1: I caught the
0: I, – actually, I caught the, the
1: Charlotte game and I caught the second half of the Washington game. So both the losses. I don't even watch the Philadelphia – 76ers. I won't even entertain the concept, so if you pick them, I'm just going to wing it. But we did, I mean, the Sunday game with the Lakers, I ended up actually watching that one, too, because I'm just watching Kobe play at this point.
0: Yeah, so I actually watched the Sixers game for some reason. I guess I just, I'm so used to watching the Nets that it just doesn't even phase me anymore. Just mm. watch basketball game. Yeah, so it, and then I watched that, and I watched the Wizards game as well. I caught a little bit of the Hornets game, but just, just, just like the first quarter or so. So, What were your impressions of the Grizzlies? We should also mention, like you were saying, since we're recording on Tuesday, they did win against the Lakers, and they just had a very nice win against the Miami Heat in a a really good game. I think maybe one of the best games of the Grizzlies season when it's overtime. It was a nice break and grind, old-school win for them. Um, So if you want to touch on that Heat game a little bit and then just give me some general impressions of the week for you.
1: I mean, the Heat game's nice and fresh. Uh, We were just talking about it before we went live here, and and we both caught, like, the fourth quarter. Um, You know, that's how you expect Memphis to kind of close out a game, especially at home. And, you know, against the Heat, who are no slouch at this point uh, of, you know, where the opponent... But, yeah, I was a little concerned other than that because if you count the Philly and the Lakers games, I mean, that's that's like a quarter of a win between the two of them. I mean, you're beating up teams that everybody else is beating up to. Um The Washington and Charlotte, I mean, you're talking two fringe playoff teams in the East. It's weird to, to think Memphis is getting beat by teams like this, but I think they have a lot of problems. I just think their style of basketball just doesn't work anymore. Um, it's not only has it become, you know, so unpopular over the years that people don't really tune into these games. But it, now you're talking. I mean, you and I love it, but a, a lot of people, the general fan base, isn't isn't interested. In, and now you can't. You almost can't win this way. They grind it out. Um, both their their best two players are probably big men in Randolph and Marcus. All Conley's nice. Uh, Jeff Green, I think, is a disaster of a player.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna get into Jeff I, Green in a, in a little bit. Matt Barnes. I, I mean, mean, they have a lot of these. They yeah.
1: have a lot of these guys, that, and it seems like it would work, and it probably would have three or four years ago. And it's just we're to the point where the league changed so quickly, and Memphis just kind of got like tripped up.
0: Yeah, and that's I agree. That's exactly what happened, and what it's created is they sort of have this weird identity crisis, which is strange for a team that it has such a solid identity in the last you know three to five years of that that grit and grind, which we loved and. You know, we're, we're going to have a moment of silence here at the end of the show maybe for it just because it is dead because, you know, they have Zach Randolph and Tony Allen coming off the bench now, even though Randolph did start tonight against, uh, against the Heat, but that might have been more so because the Heat start Bosh and uh, Whiteside, so sometimes you need to adjust, but... You know, they just have this weird identity because they're starting to try and go small now, but they really don't have the personnel for it. There's way too much Matt Barnes going on. You got way too much Matt Barnes involved, way too much Jeff Green involved, too. If anybody's still on the Jeff Green bandwagon, I just want to congratulate you. And, you know, if you need some, you know, funeral arrangements, because you're definitely going off a cliff at some point and you're all going to die, just because the, the Jeff Green bandwagon is just destined for destruction if it hasn't been destroyed already. He's just horrific. I can't watch him play. Is so inconsistent from not even game to game, but just quarter to quarter. The guy's lighting it up for like a six-minute stretch, and then all of a sudden you don't even know why he's in the NBA for the next six minutes. It's it's despicable. But what you're seeing, I think, with this team is they really – the one thing I I kept thinking while I was watching this team is that they have just no use. They don't really have any energy on this team. And that used to be Tony Allen, but he's a little – this season I think Tony Allen's been a little long in the tooth in the sense where – he can only do it in spurts, it seems like, where usually Tony Allen walks into the game and you got 20 minutes of Tony Allen. I mean, you got 20 minutes of Tony Allen defense, Tony uh, Tony Allen doing Tony Allen things, and right now it's more like he's in the game for 20 minutes and you get about 12 minutes of that, if that makes he, sense.
1: So. You don't even notice that he's in the game. I, that's what I was thinking in, in a couple of these games. I mean, he's 33 years old, but I almost don't even notice Tony Allen's impact, at least over these few games lately. Like, before... Yeah. You know, it doesn't show up in the box score, but you see Tony Allen's. You know, his fingerprints are all over the game, and a lot of times he completely controls the game. I mean, we look at the look at the series with Durant uh, a couple of years ago, OKC okay, in the playoffs. I mean,
0: he he
1: affects games, and it's not happening anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, it, you need some sort of youth. That this this team is just way too old. I mean, their bench is Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Vince Carter. And I don't even, I can't even think of the fourth guy that comes off their bench. But he's old. That's all I know about him. He's not a young guy because this team just has no youth. So I went back and looked at their drafts, and I mean, this is this is what we talk about when we talk about in the NBA. Just the worst thing you can do is just be a mediocre team, and that's a little unfair because I think the Grizzlies were better than mediocre for the last three to four years. But they really don't have they don't have any finals appearances to show up for it. I think they made one conference finals, maybe they may not have made any. Um but their drafts, you know, they drafted Josh Selby in 2011, Tony Roten in 2012, Jamal Franklin in 2013, Jordan Adams in 2014, and then Jerome Martin this year. None of those guys are playing. So what happens is you need – it's like in a work environment, you know, when you work with – sometimes when you work with too many women, it's like very organized and like everything is in the right place. But sometimes we're talking about shoes for like 45 minutes and nobody's getting any work done. But then if you work with too many guys, it's like just we're just talking about football and then everything's unorganized while things sort of get done. It's like organized chaos. So you need a mix. You always need a mix. Anytime you work, anytime you have a team, you need some sort of youth. You need some sort of energy. For example, like for the Nets, that guy is, for some reason, it's Shane Larkin. Like Shane Larkin comes in the game. He starts like pressing guys full court. He brings a lot of energy. He likes to play the pick and roll. And it just brings an energy to the second unit. And the Grizzlies don't – they don't have a Shane Larkin. That, that's what they don't have, as funny as that sounds. Shout, shout out to Shane Larkin. Man, I
1: remember predicting you were going to be the next – no, let's, we're not going to get into that. You know, I do I, – I think one last thing that I have to say about Memphis is you talked about how they don't have any youth. And I see, like, they had Zebo and they had Gasol and they had Conley and that was kind of their, you know, their cornerstones and they they wrote the big fat man in the red suit a nice long list of things they wanted for christmas except somehow santa took the wrong turn somewhere and he ended up at the island of misfit toys and he brought back guys like Vince Carter and Matt Barnes and Courtney Jeff Lee Green. and Brandon Wright and Jeff Green he just brought all like Jeff Green he's like the mayor of that island he was that guy like he had the best digs ever And he gave it up to come here and ruin things for Memphis. And it it is sad what's happened to this team. But you always had to have the feeling that their window was kind of
0: small. Right, right. They were like the opposite of the Spurs where every year, you know, people were saying, uh, every year people say, this is the year the Spurs fall off, this is the year the Spurs fall off. And this was like the same thing, only we were right. Because everybody just kept saying, this is the year the Grizzlies are going to fall off, this is the year the Grizzlies are going to fall off, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, even though they are still in the playoffs, they're still a 500 team just because they do have talent. I mean, I love Mike Conley. I, I think we talked about this. We talked about it last week with just Mike Conley being the best-case scenario for Nets fans, and it still is because I watched Mike Conley play this week, and he he really is maybe the only guy that may not be past his prime on this team, and that's a little unfair to Mark Gasol because I'm not really sure – Marcus is a funny player because he had that Defensive Player of the Year season, and I think everybody expects that from him now as, like, his prime performance. But I'm not sure he is that player, and maybe that one season isn't really the player that he but he long-term. had it at, like, he had it at 28 years old, though. That's kind of, it's an oddball.
1: I mean, that's sort of one of those oddball ages because at 28, you win an award like that, and it does you know convince people that it's things are going to get better from here but at 28 years old especially for a big guy who's not particularly in great shape as Gasol is right it, it's it's really from 28 it's kind of downhill
0: exactly so I think Marc Gasol is more so the player I think that season is the anomaly and I think people expect that Marc Gasol to be who he is and I don't think it is so I think that's a little it's a little unfair for him but I would say that Mike Conley is the player that has the most upside on the team. We're going to get into that in a little bit. I just want to ask you, that's going to be our L question. But the one thing I wanted to bring up about the Grizzlies is that when it comes down to it, and I know Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy, this is his famous line is that it's a make or miss league. And th- that really comes true for this Grizzlies team, because what they are is they're not, they're not quite as good defensively as they have been in the years past, but they're just a bad offensive team. I mean, just this game against the Heat, they went on like a six-minute drought without scoring. The Wizards game that I watched, they went on a five-minute drought without scoring, and you just can't do that in the NBA. So I looked up this stat, and uh, the Nets, of course, ruined. It. They're like the, the demise of my life. Not only do they ruin my nights by watching them on a nightly basis, but they actually ruined the stat that I looked up because I looked it up on Sunday, <laughs> and then it changed today. because. Uh, so the Grizzlies take the second amount of two-point field goals in the league. The first is the Nets now. Um and they but they're twenty fourth in two point field goal percentage. So they're taking a lot of two point shots but they're not making them in a position clip. So what that creates is not not only are you not taking enough threes to sort of compete, which they're very I think they're second second to last in the league in three point percentage. So they're taking two point shots and they're not making as many and then all these other teams that they're playing are just hoisting up threes and that's how you just get these point differentials where it seems like the Grizzlies should be winning but they're not because these teams are just hoisting up threes and that's really evening the score every night. And actually, another fun fact, they are 27th
1: in offense. Like you said, they're horrendous. But what if I told you that nine teams from the Eastern, the Eastern Conference, are playing better defense than the Memphis Grizzlies
0: right now? Wow.
1: Yeah. Nine teams from so, the
0: East. Again. Right. And that, I mean, what that comes down to is, is like we're saying, you know, Zebo's a little definitely old in the shoes. I think of all the guys that have aged on this team, I think Zebo is the prime candidate. Though he does seem to be adjusting to his bench 20, 25 minute role, which I think may be the, the place for him. Sure. Then that's what you see. with Without, without those two guys to basically cobble up the boards, and I think Marcus All is not as good as a defender, like we were just discussing. Mike Conley's still a great defender. Tony Allen is still a great defender at Spurs. But, you know, their starting lineup is Matt Barnes and Jeff Green. Those guys, I mean, Matt Barnes is old as well. Those guys are not above average defenders. So you really have a lineup where three-fifths of your lineup are not above average defenders, and that's what you end up with. So I want to close with the elephant in the room question, which is, I actually it's actually twofold. Who should this team build around? Because I think that is the question. Is it is it Mark Gasol, or should this team give Mike Conley a big contract in the offseason as he's going to be a free agent? I, I I really I I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm curious what you think.
1: Uh, honestly, if I'm the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm I'm still looking for that piece. I I don't think they have one. Oh,
0: you're, blown, I, you're I you, you,
1: it's, it's blowing it up. It's it's a potential blow it up situation. I'm blowing yeah. it up because as much as I respect Mike Conley, I think the league has turned away from what Mike Conley's good at, and and I think at 28, it's almost kind of I think you can stick him somewhere else where he's not gonna be the guy you're actually building around. But I, I don't I don't think there's somebody to build around here and Mark Gasol's thirty. Like I just I, I don't have a guy. I mean you want, let you want to build let's build this team around uh Courtney Lee. He's like that dude's thirty two. I mean how did Courtney how did Courtney when did Courtney Lee become thirty years old?
0: I I would like to, you to know that Jermichael Green, uh, which by the way Grizzlies. Anybody who's in charge of the uniforms, can we please put the J A green and the J E green for Jeff and Jermichael Green so people can tell them apart on the court? It's not a good look for me. Like if I'm trying to analyze players and all of a sudden I don't know which green I'm looking at. So if we can do both that nice. yeah, Jermichael is Green like- is the only <laughs> player. Really, in the Memphis Grizzlies rotation, I was born in the 90s. Everybody else is like born in the 80s or the 70s. Like Vince Carter's born in 77. Then all these guys are just 80s kids. Like I don't understand how that can be. You just your rotation, and you just have no youth on this team. So I think I think you're right. I think blowing it up is is certainly a potential. And the other thing I wanted to ask you, and I think the answer to this for me is is certainly no. I don't think Dave Yeager. Is, is an NBA coach. Like, I don't think he should be the coach of this team because if you remember, maybe this, I think I'm remembering this correctly, the only reason Dave Yeager got hired is because they still wanted to play this grit and grind style, but they wanted Lionel Howland gone because he, like, wasn't a an analytics dude. And Dave Yeager was like, yeah, I'll look at some stats and, and adjust. And they were like, okay, cool, you can be the coach. So I don't think they, that's, <laughs> since that's gone, I think he's gone with it now. Is, is that wrong? <laughs>
1: Yeah, he has to be. And, and who did Dave Acer convince that he was some like analytic genius? Could you imagine him <laughs> flying <on> the wall? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, he,
0: yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't enjoy. I just don't enjoy his what coaching style. He doesn't seem. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem like the brightest bulb. Okay, so I, I also want to say that maybe it's maybe this is revisionist history, but are we sure that the Grizzlies weren't always just the knuckleball pitcher of the NBA? Like in the playoffs, I remember a lot of times like these teams, like you play six games with the Grizzlies and then all of a sudden, like you don't know what to do because they just have this completely different style. And then all of a sudden you have to go back to playing regular basketball now when you play these other teams. So maybe I hope that's not the answer because I want to say that the Grizzlies were a much better team than that. Isn't there a shining moment probably of
1: this Grizzlies team, of this window team, their shining moment is, probably a first-round victory, isn't it? Yeah. What's, what's I mean, their I, shining I, moment? I mean, that's all that's, that It to. really is. We'll remember this team differently, you and I, and, you know, other people who got to, to see these Grizzlies teams compete the lot, you know, for a handful of seasons. But in the record books, like, this team's kind of just going to be swept under the rugs. I feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Shout-out to the Grit and Grind. RIP. It was real. It was it was great. Flint and I, we're, we're on board. The NLP podcast supports Grit and Grind, but I'm sad that it's over. we are going to move on to our our next segment. And uh, as the great Shane Falco once said, pain heals, tick, stick scars, glory lasts forever. It actually doesn't relate at all to what we're going to do, but it's from the movie The Replacements, and that's what I wanted to call this segment, and if you don't like The Replacements, I don't like you. So The Replacements, basically what we're going to do in the preseason, We we picked our eight playoff teams, but now that we're basically a third of the way through the season. It's become apparent that maybe we were wrong on a couple of teams. So we're going to allow ourselves a mulligan, and each of one, each one of us is going to pick one team that we made to make the playoffs and sort of boot them out, and we're going to replace them with a new team. So, Andy, please give me your replacement of the 2015 NBA playoff picture.
1: Well, I guess my replacement is – well, we'll start with the East, I suppose.
0: Sure. Or do you I actually want me only to only have one both? team so you you Oh you want to have West. Yeah, I only I'm, have one I mean, team I'm, you, I'm over, you you can show off.
1: Listen, Frank Frank posted and I mean, he wouldn't be Frank's Facebook friend, but he po- Frank likes to post his grades from college on there and he posted his grades and they were they were hot, but I'm I'm blowing it up here because I, I did more homework than you. Um <laughs> so my my replacement i I'm kicking the Milwaukee Bucks out of my playoffs. They're gone. Sure. You can't, you can't be 12 and 20. You guys are some scrubs. I, I don't know what to say. Kevin Durant was actually talking about them tonight, and he was talking about how, like, uh, whoever, I don't remember who, was, who approached him to do the the little sideline report, or not the sideline report, it's just is in football. But they they say something, I and Durant just repeats. Yeah, yeah, they're long. They're, they're active on defense. And he's just repeating it. because you can tell he has nothing like great to say about the buck. <laughs> as much as they're trying to force him to say nice things, he has nothing for them. Although he did get crossed over by Chris Middleton. But I'm kicking them out, and I've actually went a little homer, and I, I put the magic in instead.
0: Yeah, there they're you go. I, I think that's, that's legitimate. And uh, and
1: I did for the West quickly, since since you didn't do one. Um, I decided to actually go with what I almost leaned towards in the original show anyway, and that was the jazz
0: Instead of the Suns who are taking Jack and Rose down with them
1: in that fiery ship.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Phoenix Suns real quick in a little bit. But so I, I'll go on the bandwagon with you for the Bucks being out, who I loved in the preseason. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Hopefully you don't go back and listen to the preseason preview where I may have picked the Milwaukee Bucks to be a top four seed in the East. I may have done that. I'm not going to say I did that, but. I can see why Kevin Durant didn't have good things to say about him, considering his team dropped 131 points on them tonight in regulation. So maybe he, maybe he wasn't too impressed with, with what they had to offer there. But yeah, I'm, I'm all about the, the Bucks being out and the Magic being. Uh, I'm pro. I'm pro Orlando Magic. But the team I picked to get off the bandwagon was another team I was high on, and that is the 2015 New Orleans Pelicans. Um, I'm selling tickets oh. on clearance, like an end of year car sale. Everything <laughs> must go. Um, I think Bill Bill Simmons mentioned this on his on his podcast, and I've been thinking it as well. It may be smart to just have a fire sale for for the Pelicans and have a will we suck, yes again for Ben, yes again for Ben Simmons. So try and tank, <laughs> get that number one pick. You put Ben Simmons next to Anthony Davis, and you just go from there. You just have a ninety seven Spurs kind of tank season. So. The team I'm going to replace them with is a team that I was very low on in the preseason, which was the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I thought they'd be ravaged by injuries. The only really counterpoint people had to my argument against the Dallas Mavericks making the playoffs was if you have Dirk Nowitzki and Rick Carlisle, you're winning around 50 games, which sounds like a stupid argument, but the only Analysis I have for the Dallas Mavericks season is that Dirk Nowitzki is amazing and Rick Carlisle maybe coach of the year. So maybe maybe that's right. Maybe <laughs> it's just you know you have Dirk Nowitzki and Rick Carlisle and you win. That, then that it's over. So yeah, that's my replacement. I think the Mavs. I, I think they're for real. I think they're for real. I'm shunning
1: them still. I don't know. Like you know what it is? It's because I bagged on them so much. Like I have to just stick to my guns. And I love Dirk. And I do love Rick Carlisle too. So I kind of hate doing it, but. At this point, I'm stuck. Like I'm, I'm like I'm DeAndre Jordan's boy. Got your back. Okay.
0: Yeah. You're just gonna stay in the house. You're gonna be like Blake Griffin and Chris Ball and just stay yeah, in the I, house. Yeah, I with, come with, out. Just, just hold them hostage. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. has that team. I, my team that, for that is the uh, Charlotte Hornets. I'm just still not convinced that they're good. I don't, I don't care. They're still the Charlotte Hornets to me, and I don't care how many, how good the record is, how good Kevin Walker is now. They're just still the Charlotte Hornets, and I don't think they're good. Until they're like in the playoffs, in the conference finals. Okay, so I want to touch really quick because you replaced the Phoenix Suns, and I just want to get your quick thoughts on what exactly is going on with the Phoenix Suns. I believe their record is five and fifteen. No, that doesn't sound right. They might be five and fifteen in the last twenty. 12, they're they're, they're bad. twelve and
1: twenty-one. Yeah, twelve and twenty-one overall.
0: Yeah, yeah, twelve and twenty-one. So, uh, what what is going on in in Phoenix? What is what is going on here? Everett so out for the season, by the way.
1: Yeah, Eric Blitzel out. Uh, the Tyson Chandler experiment has officially not worked. Um, Marquise Morris. Well, I can't even say Marquis Morris without laughing at this point because I don't know what happened to those Marcus Like, the Morris twins, I, they're, I, at first I thought they were kind of like nice dudes. I was like, oh, these are these dudes. They like to shoot jump shots. They're cool. You know, they, they seem friendly. And then they're just like dickheads. I don't excuse my language, but I, I just don't know what is going on with this team. And they're, like, poorly coached. And, I mean, some games it already is the Brandon Knight show or, you know, it was the Brandon Knight or Eric Bledsoe show. Oh, wait, now, I mean, Brandon Knight might get, like, 65 shots a game. He's going to be hoisting up Allen Iverson numbers. I mean, this this team is a wreck, you know. You almost feel bad because a couple years ago we we're talking about how they got you know kind of robbed out of not making the playoffs, and this was a young team on the rise, and now it's just like everything that will go wrong has gone wrong, and I feel like they've loaded up in the station wagon with Chevy Chase and they're going on vacation, and it's it's just not good. It's like a plane crash, man. I mean, it's 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 tough to watch.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just a strange team, and we talked about this because we've watched the the Phoenix Suns already this season, and Just the way the team is constructed, it just doesn't make sense. They just have all these guys that can score, all these guys that are just raw scorers that maybe don't play a lot of defense. They have two point guards, even though I'm sort of a fan of the Brandon Knight-Eric Bledsoe backcourt still, even though obviously we're not going to see much of it. And the only thing I can think of is my man's wife from the office when it comes to the construction of this team. All right, who did this? I'm not mad. I just want to know who did it so I can punish them. I, I just I just want to know. The GM, you've got, you got to go. I, you just need to be punished. It, it, this is purely, I, I believe, just a personnel construction thing because the team has a lot of talent, but they just don't have any direction. And I think that's what you're seeing with them. And also, they're just horrific defensively. And they should be better with, with Tyson Chandler, who may be it, – it might be time to put Tyson Chandler to rest. You know, we can give him a plot right next to the and Grand Grizzlies. You know, he might just have to go there. You know, it's been real. Tyson Chandler, also one of my favorite players in the NBA. But I I think it might be over for you. But keep getting the checks, no doubt. I I just – I don't know. You think they're going to – there's no way they're going to turn this around, especially with Bledsoe out. But do you think that they have any hope for the future? I I mean, I think they do. They have a lot of talent.
1: Yeah, you want to keep blowing on teams? I mean, I can probably figure out a reason to blow up the Suns real fast. I mean, (laughs) Sure. I, I do think they, they have to – I think what they ultimately are going to have to do, and as much as you uh, you just said you like seeing it, and I kind of like it too, and probably just because it's entertaining, that, that court of night in Bledsoe, I think you have to split that up somewhere. You, We're kind of to the point where, like – The guard thing was really fun, especially the point guard thing, and it was even almost fun to maybe try, like, a college set and to play two of them like Phoenix is doing. But we're kind of turning this corner where it's like we need to be able to really shoot the basketball too, and that's what you need a shooting guard for. And, you know, I know people are going to say that Bledsoe and Knight can shoot the basketball, but it's just not the same thing. You're talking guys that need to have the ball in your hand, and I think you kind of just need to have that second guard to fall back and say, hey, I'll play defense, I'll shoot shots in the corner, take the occasional gap the dribble, you handle the rock. So I think they have to do something there. That's the start. I do like Alex Len, however, they need to get rid of Marquise Morris, send him to Detroit with his brother. I mean, they can open up their bank account again and, and everything will be merry.
0: You you just can't get over the fact that they both had a bank account. I remember when I told you that you just couldn't believe it. You
1: shouldn't even have told him. you shouldn't even have told about it. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, it just never made sense. It didn't make sense that their problem was that they had three point guards with Dragic, Thomas, and Bledsoe, and then their solution was to get another point guard in for the night. I never really understood how that happened. Then they drafted a point
1: guard, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I like Devin Booker, though. That guy can play. All right, we are going to move on to the final segment, as usual, which is our fantasy segment, where we give you the fantasy stud and scrub of the week, the best and worst player in fantasy basketball. Andy Flint, who is your fantasy stud? Yo, I'm going to
1: go with a guy that you will probably never hear me ever shout out for any reason ever again, and that is Omar Caspi of the Sacramento Kings. He just had a 36 point game against the Golden State Warriors, but before that, he put up a 14 and 10 rebound game, a 15 and 11 rebound game, and for his skill, the guy's playing out of his mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he actually was just added to my fantasy team this week, and I watched the. Highly anticipated uh, Steph Curry Omri Casspi shootout yesterday no. <laughs> in uh Golden State. But I am going with one of your boys, one of your clients, Russell Westbrook. Uh, Twenty-eight hey. points, eight point yeah, eight point eight assists, seven point three rebounds, three steals, and I don't even want to know what he warped to the game on Christmas. But I'm sure it was just extraordinary. Uh, imagine as how good a stat line is going to be when Kevin Durant is a net next season. Now. Not gonna happen. All right. Uh Andy Flint, your
1: fantasy scrub. Oh, it's uh one Jared Solinger, and no I'm not picking on you because of your haircut, even though you should change that. Um Sully, I mean, he had a an eight and ten game and then he had a ten and eight game, followed by a three and six game, but this guy she, he was one of nine in a game for like eleven percent. He shot thirty three percent from the field in another game. Um He is shooting 0-4 from deep on this little streak, too, so 0% there. He's probably killing your fantasy team right now.
0: Yeah, and we we still have not found out why uh, Jared Zollinger and Marcus Smart have matching, like, blonde mohawks. I I still have no answers. I want somebody to give me an answer, and I'm just demanding answers for that. My scrub is Aaron Aflalo. Uh, Aaron Aflalo Mm -hmm. is on your fantasy team to hit three-point shots, and he hit one three-point shot last week and then he shot 31% from the floor on top of that overall. So you can't be a 3 and D guy if you don't do the 3 part. And I'm not really sure how good of a defender Interfalo is, and plus it doesn't matter because that does not show up in fantasy points. So, uh, Andy Flint, before we go, you need to tell us who we are watching next week.
1: So I already obviously told you, I told Frank, because we did the show a couple of days late, but we are watching the Oklahoma City Thunder. There was actually the, the game we talked about against the Bucks tonight
0: yes where they uh dropped 131 in in regulation uh kevin it turns out when you have kevin durant and russell westbrook on your team you you're, you're going to be pretty good so that they is our show it. for tonight They're
1: bust in the street
0: yeah yeah spoiler alert. uh we are going to end the show for tonight we will be trying to be back at our regular time sunday 6:30 to 7 p.m. take you around our journey of the nba We will end like we always do with the great philosopher Jason Whitechalker-Williams who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you a good night.